This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, I don't think me and Joe were expecting to jump onto a call two days before Christmas to talk about Dons, but um, here we are this, this afternoon chatting about a new head coach uh, heading into Milton Keynes. I was taking his first training session today ahead of the game on Monday against Forest Green Rovers. Um, but first off, Joe, how are we, mate? Obviously, Chris is around the corner. Looking forward to it. Yeah, cheeky little half day today. Um, just yeah, I've, I've um, my sh- my shopping has all been done. Yeah, it's um, good. So uh, I can chill out and uh, just enjoy the next couple of days doing nothing really. So um, yeah, you have you all prepared and uh, all sorted. Fantastic stuff, and um, yeah, I say just to throw one last curveball that you uh, Don's have decided to get there. get their new head coach in before before Christmas in in the form of Mark Jackson. Um, Obviously, a name who, well, funnily enough, in our, in our previous episode, we, we actually mentioned um, in the last episode we did about Leeds setup in terms of coaching. And who I mentioned about the guy that actually took over as Jackson's succession in, uh, in Scubala. But obviously, we were sort of, we kind of threw a dart and almost hit bullseye with it in terms of Mark Jackson, who is now the, the head coach, Don's coming in from Leeds United. Um, to give, give it background on uh, Jacko, if people who don't know. Um, so obviously played for Leeds United professionally 23 times um, but the majority of his time was focused on coaching so he actually started off at Files Celtic as a coach and then went on to Leeds City College where he he headed the development there of of players but I mean he mentioned about how when he was there and some of the interviews that we listened to about how it was very much like nine to five characters as you'd imagine at a City College so it taught him a lot about terms of how to just deal with people I suppose and the different um sort of style of person you can meet on an everyday basis. That's quite a nice learning curve for him. Um, but it's actually one of his former teammates, Paul Hart, who actually brought him into Leeds. Um, first off to manage the 15 and 16 year old age groups in 2015. Um, and Jacko's been at Leeds ever since really. Um, been there for eight well, eight years before today. Um, progressed his way through the 18s where he had a success winning the title, through to the 23s, where of course he won the 
and the Division Two of the Premier League Youth Leagues, um, getting Leeds United promoted uh, this past season to the First Division. Um, obviously, he managed partway through that season and uh, last season before getting promoted to the Leeds United First Team. Once um, Millie Wasp Bielsa was there for a period, but it was more when Jesse Marsh came along and obviously Bielsa got sacked. Um, Jackson was mostly a assistant manager in many senses. He obviously works at pieces here and there, but he's mostly an assistant manager to Jesse Marsh, mostly focusing on ways he can embed the under-23. So, of course, he's been coaching um, in that side of things into the first team. Names like Sam Greenwood, Joe Gelhart, um, Charlie Cresswell, who's, of course, at Millwall currently, um, and many more. So he's certainly a manager who has a lot of def- decorated experience of youth football and mostly winning youth football in some senses and also how to get out of a dogfight in some ways also with last season's sort of antics but Joe obviously that's a bit of background on Jacko um obviously a lot of people get their opinions on it and we'll get into their opinions later on but when you first heard the news about uh Jacko joining the Dons as a head coach what were your thoughts yeah I think at first I'm not going to pretend like I knew a lot about him um, but then you read into it and it just makes a lot of sense and I think what Liam Sweeten said in his interview you know, he's, he's got experience, he's got leadership qualities. I think you mentioned um, there's Leeds, there's a, a, an academy documentary about the Leeds Academy and he comes across as someone that can, um, let's just say, scare the living shit out of some players. And I think, you know, maybe that's something we lacked. It was lacked. Um, and then under Bielsa, it's very well known that Bielsa wanted his philosophy running through the club. So he's worked with one of the best minds in football for, for many years many people's opinions and he's implemented an absolutely mental playing style and and then another thing is people might say he's not been in this position before he's not done this he's not done that well he was part of the Leeds United team that didn't compromise any of its um, uh, principles or any of their um, sort of you know their, their pillars and they essentially played their way out of trouble last season doing it their way they didn't compromise and think, oh, getting Big Sam, getting Mark Hughes, getting, you know, Alan Kerbishley, you know, getting, you know, they weren't like, you know, let's just get in an old-fashioned manager and grind out results. No, they did it their way and he was part of that and he was actually brought in to integrate, you know, the, almost the, the those under-23s because I've seen some people say about how um, their final season he was with the 23s and didn't do too well. Yeah, because half of them were with the bloody first team. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You know, so they were, a lot of them were playing ahead of schedule. You know, the likes of Joe Gelhart, Sam Greenwood, they were 18, 19, regularly playing in the Premier League. Um, Somerville this season, we saw, saw him score the winner at Liverpool. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it hits quite a few different points where it's like, yeah, tick, tick, tick. And then the, the, the whole... Um, I guess the big question is the short term versus the long term, right? We we were saying, you know, ultimately we want to stay in League One, but we don't want to compromise the long term future and be stuck. And then in six months' time, great, we've stayed up, but have we really got to look have a season with a lumpet manager who's only focuses on the next game rather than what's happening in two or three years' time? So I think we've actually managed to secure that balance quite nicely. And you know, under Russell Martin, we we were in trouble. And we played our way out of trouble. And I think that's something that we're going to be trying to do this time. Yeah, so you haven't watched that Leeds United documentary on Amazon Prime regarding the academy, I'd highly recommend the watch. Um, as Joe mentioned, he 
he definitely has a few um, high-tempered team talks, to say the least. And you can de- you can definitely fire a rocket for a few players. But yeah, I mean, I mean, as mentioned in that documentary, you know, it's repeated time and time again throughout that that the academy's goal is to get under twenty three players integrated into the first team as soon as possible. And obviously with Leeds United's and Bielsa's sort of, I said like gospel, like really frantic football, um, they had like things like 55 injuries on that season alone. And that's a ridiculous amount of injuries. So, you know, whilst I'd say it was some of those first, those 23 players were fast-tracked into the first team, it's still a success. And you can see some of them, especially Gelhart and Greenwood, they had a massive impact on their survival last season, which also Jacko played a massive part in as the assistant to Jesse. But this season also they've been a top half team always in terms of chance creation and xg so and you know jacko's a big big data guy from what we understand also so it's um yeah i, I think overall in terms of my views on it, it's a really exciting appointment i feel that we've kind of said in the past how we felt manning whilst a great coach wasn't really a good head coach in terms of manager um in terms of his motivation side of things where i think jacko can really add that to the squad overall and maybe some individuals also and so, Liam, I guess the one thing that I would say to you then is, and I've seen this has been maybe I, I don't know if you've maybe just about to come onto this, but a lot of thing that I've seen as the biggest downside is people are talking about risk um, in terms of risk appointing someone that's never managed men's football before. So what would you say to those who, you know, would you, obviously I can see some merits to their opinions. I, I, I personally do not think it is that big of a risk, but what would you say when people say that this could be a risky appointment, um, I think I think they're right to an extent. Listen, I think um, I think most clubs might be less brave and potentially get someone in like a um, any experienced manager top of the head who's managed to keep a club up um, through League One or League Two or whoever. Really, um, so as many names that people will bring up, but I think we've got to understand that you know I think Jacko's gone through multiple seasons. Um, in youth and men's football, to be fair, where he's actually survived a, a relegation pass like this. And in particular with a lead squad last season, who, whilst he wasn't the head coach, he was essentially the man manager and the assistant head, assistant who Jesse Marsh has gone on record many times saying he would have got relegated without him. Um, obviously, his words are just his words. But, you know, when you, when you hear a manager of Leeds United say that about your assistant, it's a lot of credit towards him. And, you know, I think a lot of people at Leeds have always said about how Jacko's man management is really top tier. So that's what we need right now. I feel we need someone who can get every single individual in that training room, uh, sorry, in the training room, in the dressing room to really just play for the club properly and actually play for Milton Keynes and believe in it. And from what I've personally seen from over the past sort of 40 hours, really, in terms of, you know, watching documentary, listening to interviews from Jacko, reading about Jacko and listen to everything that's been said about him. It's all positive and it's all, I feel, what we personally need. Um, whereas, as I mentioned with Manning, I just don't feel that, yes, he was, sent, you know, he's a really good coach and you can see that he was, he was getting some decent bits out of players last season. But I feel with this season in particular, he has needed to have a bit of edge about him. And I, I don't think Manning has that. Whereas I think Jacko and whoever coaches he does get in, which is still being worked on as we speak about this, but... I personally feel he has that edge and he can actually do it. And um, whereas, and that's why I think the change had to happen. I don't think Manning could do it and people will disagree with that opinion, but um, that's what I just think about it. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, in terms of risk, people will maybe want, like you said, wanting a, a more proven person, maybe, I don't know, Lee Bowyer, Liam Richardson, 
Um, whoever sort of names were mentioned. Um, um, Darren Ferguson. Um... Yes, the people that have done it at this level, right? Yeah. And I just, in my opinion, you know, you can say, well, you could say about Liam Richardson, yeah, he's had two really fantastic seasons. But if you look at the team he worked with at Wigan, there's a lot of it. it was, a lot of it was really experienced players with one or two youngsters. With this team, it's almost the opposite way around. And yeah. would his methods work with younger players? We we, we really don't know. Um, you know, so that so there's a risk with that. And you know, then you could say, you know, with Lee Bowyer, you know, or, or a character like that, or Darren Ferguson. Could the players potentially crumble under his um, stewardship? Not not because of tactically, but just how how he manages them. And you know, you look at someone like Jackson, and he's got experience working with younger players and experience of having those younger players in the first team environment. Yeah. So I think you know we we do have that mix. So that's why I think that it's not as big as a risk as it may seem. And I guess you know the risk is all relative. And for us, I think that there's. A lot of upside because as we said before it is so hard to sort of because you can almost if you could say right we'll appoint someone for six months we could almost guarantee staying up right mm-hmm. but then what do you do after those six months and i think that we've got a good balance here where i think it's quite clear because he, he one thing he said he was very clear on no or there are short-term goals and that they will be addressed however you know he, he said in himself which is really good to hear that he's moving down um, he's looking to get his family down as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's not here to do a demolition great escape job. He's here for the future and to build. And I think that's the thing that we seem to have it seems quite balanced this appointment in terms of it's I'm not gonna say he's the best person for now and he's the best person for the future, but it seems like someone who can get that blend and the transition of turning us hopefully, you know, this is a talk, isn't it? You know, we're going off of, off of um, you know, what he's done in the past, but I think the intentions and the character seems there. It's just about the um, the nous, I guess, and actually de- de- delivering it. Yeah, and that's the one thing. I think that the only, the minor sort of yellow flags that I've seen, if you want to call it a yellow flag, is that... Um, no, red no, flag, so. Well, I mean, red flags, yellow flag. I want to call it a red flag. I think it can turn to a red Small flag. red flags, small red flags. <laughs> Um, is that obviously, um, okay, we'll call it a red flag, fine, um, is that he hasn't been given the opportunity to show his tactical nous yet. Obviously, he's very good at man management. We can really know that clearly from his um, experience in 23s and getting them through their whole process and working his way up from younger age groups into the first team. But I think one risk that you, you want to associate risk to disappointment is that we haven't seen how good he is tactically. Obviously, his philosophy seems to be very in line with what the club want. Otherwise, quite frankly, they wouldn't have employed him. However, I suppose time will tell on the fact of, you know, can he tactically manage games and get us results and uh, things like that. But, you know, I mean, I have full confidence that the the uh, the, re- the recruitment team, Liam Sweeting, of course, have sort of identified that they, they feel he can do that. And based on what he's done for the N23s previously and what he's done for Jesse Mars previously, um, and yeah, I'm excited to see that. I think as well, the fact that he's actually said, um, I mean, so you mentioned there that there's nothing quite yet on backroom staff. Um, the reason that for that is because he wanted to be here for the Boxing Day game. He yeah. didn't want to say, oh yeah, let's yeah, let's get through that. I've got, Leeds got a game at the weekend and we'll get, I'll, I'll speak to a couple of mates and we'll see if they fancy it. He was like, no, no, I'll come. I want to be in now. He's took the training today, today being Friday. And um, he's making preparations ready for 
for Boxing Day. He's um, he's given up his Christmas Day. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the players are in training on Christmas Day. Um, I believe um, Liam, Liam Sweet mentioned that in his his uh, interview event. Um, so, you know, it's, he's all in straight away. And I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's good to see a bit of passion. But is it, is it good to see a bit of enthusiasm and stuff? And that's not to say Liam Mann didn't have that. And because you know, I think we, I think if there's one thing we can't level Liam Man, and it's the amount of work and detail that he went into his job. Um, but yeah, I think, um, um, you know, Albie mentioned us or he said, let's let's not just um, hope this guy, you know, beats pumps his fists a few times and everyone, you know, everyone wins everyone over, etc. But I just think, you know, I don't think anyone's really getting carried away. I think we know the severity of the situation, and I think you know we we have got to get behind him. But I think that the club have I basically identified what we need in a manager and he appears to tick all those boxes. We've not actually maybe seen it in men's football, but, you know, you want, uh, I think Liam Sweet said you want leadership, you want someone to help us in the now and you want someone to to um, to lead us in the future. And then and Liam Sweeten also mentioned about how this season, you know, and we, we've, we saw it ourselves, you know, the game against Burton and the game against Fleetwood. We were the better team, but it was all not that they wanted it more, but it was just those intangibles where maybe we didn't put our body quite on the line or taking that risk in the final third. And so that can might not be tactics, that might come down to other parts of the game. So I think that he's definitely got he definitely ticks the boxes of the thing I think of if you had to describe what we need from a manager. I think that it, it seems a very seamless fit. And he talks himself about, you know, he's he's not going to come in and rip everything up at the moment. He's he's going to be leaning on, you know, the likes of Dino, Dave, Bradley Johnson. You know, you've got Tom Bromley, you've got the back rest of the backroom staff. So, um, you know, he's, he seems to have really, you know, he's not a bull in a china shop. It's He knows he wants to get a good read of the things first and be quite not analytical about it but sort of just take it back, not take it back seat either but just sort of well just assess things yeah, and, assess then, situation, and then yeah, he can yeah. go from there because you know if he think you know you could say that because i personally don't think that our defending is that actually that awful you look at saturday you know we, we were defending pretty fine and a lot of the games we've barely given any way any chances away but we've still conceded goals so you know he might say right the structure's fine but we need to sort this, this, and this. So, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, sure yeah. he'll be um, a busy... F- I'm sure his Christmas plans have changed ever so slightly <laughs> in, the, in the last few 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can defend well all you like, but if you're not going to do enough attacking-wise, you're going to attract um, errors and goals. It's goals will see that it's just how football works. And I think one of the main traits as to... We talk about traits as to why I think Jacko also got the role is that, um, you know, he's... From when he's come, if you take Summerfield example, for example, um, the guy came from final to place a Leeds now. Yeah, you know, he had to be embedded into a new culture completely, and he had quite a few Spanish guys come over um f- to play in the Leeds and 23 system. So he's had to embed a players from different cultures and all things like that. And I think in terms of the similarities from Manning to Jacko, if you are going to compare the two of them, which I wouldn't suggest you do, but if you were going to do it in this case. You could say that both both head coaches have had that situation where they've had to embed players different cultures into their groups, and I think the transfer strategy moving forward, maybe not in January, but definitely moving forward in the summer and future summers, is to have that. Okay, we're going to bring players in from Ireland, players from potentially into Europe, and 
how do do we have the man in the helm to integrate them well enough into the group of players that we currently have and again mentioned about culture i think that also impacts on the culture also in terms of how how these lads are gonna um settle in straight away um and obviously we've still got a few young lads from obviously ireland and other other parts of um the british isles in the in the squad so yeah it's important and i'm sure jacko will be on that straight away because i imagine it's Whilst they're a group that gets on well, I'm sure the culture there is a bit broken at the moment with Manning leaving and obviously where we are in the league, etc. I know um, Chris Armstrong, Joe, mentioned about how he feels that, obviously when Liam Sweeting did the interview, he mentioned about how we said we, Liam Sweeting thought some physicality was missing from the squad. And uh, I know Chris mentioned about how sort of when Jacko explains the style of football, he's going to bring it with like high energy, a lot of pressing and hopefully some like strength and fight in the middle of the park which I feel will be missing but do you feel that starts well of course it starts on the pitch do you feel that some elements of that come from his personality off the pitch in the dressing room and before games and on like the training pitch does it it obviously starts there but what's your kind of thoughts on okay they need to yes they need to show more strength in the middle of the park and we have certain players who maybe haven't done enough of that on the pitch so far this season but does it become from a motivational standpoint in terms of also listen right Let's fire an absolute rocket into these lads and get them going. I think it can be a bit of both. I think, you know, some players will need a bit of love and told how good they are. I think especially if you're thinking maybe about the attacking players, uh, how many times have we just, you know, a Louis Barry or a Nathan Holland, they've got in fantastic positions. It's like, just shoot, shoot, shoot. Chance is gone, you know. You, it's um, you know, we've had that a few times this season. So you know, perhaps it's you know, saying, look, you are a really good player. Go out and do what you can do because you are very good. Um, but sometimes it might be a player that's not been performing great, and you need to say, you need to put your ideas up right now, or you're gone. You know, that might be what some players need. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think it's a combination. We don't really have the personnel. We've got quite a few technical midfielders. You know, you've got your Du Bois and your McEachrins. They're quite technical. Um, Bradley Johnson, he's got a bit of nous to him, a bit of aerial threat. Um, and he's a very gritty sort of player. We really saw that um, at Portsmouth, which we'll be coming on to shortly, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and um, But yeah, I think physicality maybe is something we have lacked. You know, Nathan Holland and Louis Barry, while, while they are quite fast, pace to... Um, and skillful, maybe they're, they're not the most physical. Um, Mo Iser and Will Grigg, again, fantastic finishers. You get them the chances, we know what they can do. But yeah, like, like you say, it might just be something that's lacking from the squad. Um, but then again, yeah, I'm sure that there's always that extra 10% that maybe the, these managers can get the gout of the players. And sometimes, you know, we've seen that we've, in a, as I said before, in, in quite a few games, we have had more chances than the opposition, but maybe it's just that extra 10% we're missing. Yeah, I mean, let's let's chat about Pompey and Leicester then, because obviously um, Leicester's the one we want to focus on also, because obviously Jacko was at that game, so he would have seen the squad, he would have seen what we were watching, which, uh, spoiler alert, wasn't very good. Um, but Pom- Pompey was very good, and obviously it was it was a Louis, Louis um, with Deed and Ray, and of course... Um, well, Brad Johnson also, and there's a mix of um, JB and they're also from the yes, youth setup there. So how did we... Well, Pompey was very good, wasn't it, Base, Let's be honest. We actually, I feel like we actually set up as a team really well. You can see those clear structure. Um, defensively, as you mentioned, I thought we were the best defensively I've seen in a long time. And I felt that we learned our lesson from the Cup game in many ways in the fact that I felt the way we attacked was a lot more methodical. It was a lot more, um, not fast-paced, but definitely more... Um, I'll say stricter in terms of 
sort of transformation we actually had. And I felt that, you know, whilst we, um, whilst it was 2 0 win and it looked comfortable on paper, there was definitely some chances upon people overall. Pretty good performance, right? It was a fantastic performance and we showed all facets of the game, really. Um, and if anything, you know, you think back to last season, we probably limited Portsmouth to less chances than they had last season against us. Um, at no point did I feel worried, um, other than the first 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, first 15 minutes, I thought, well, here we go again. But then, you know, Jack Tucker comes absolutely steaming in with an absolute beaut of attack. Taking out the man and the ball, you know, you know the one we, we absolutely love them. Um, and then from then on, we so it seemed to just sort of get a bit about us. And we had a few. And the best thing for me was when they were on top. The thing that stopped them their momentum was we just kept the ball, and it was almost like Russell Martin, like in the fact that we weren't trying to go forward. We just kept the ball for about I don't know it must have been thirty seconds a minute, but it felt like a lifetime. And it just almost killed the game at that point. And from then on, you know, Portsmouth rarely threatened. And look, I'm not going to pretend like we were Barcelona out there, but we were solid. Um, we dealt, we we basically said, yeah, you can cross it into the box, but we'll deal with those crosses. We've got three massive centre arse. And they did. Um, there was a couple of times the player might have got a run on them, but, you know, I mentioned Jamie coming in the past. He had an absolute blinder, eight saves, I think it was. Um Man of the match for me was Jack Tucker, absolutely. Um, uh, defensively, with the ball at his feet and then ca capping off um, the performance with the, the second goal to really sort of not settle the game, but just give us a bit of a cushion. Um, but yeah, first half, you know, it was a moment of real quality from Conor Grant, actually, that, that got us that, that first goal. And, um, you know, Conor Grant's inclusion, actually, I think is quite significant because we could easily have played... Uh, you know, just play, put an extra midfielder in there like we did on Tuesday against um, against Leicester. But actually, you know, as as a number eight, we chose to go for, you know, we chose to put an extra number eight in there, an extra, if you want, attacking midfield player. And he he was the one that came up with an absolute beauty of a cross for Bradley Johnson again to head in. Um, you know, Bradley Johnson. And I think Bradley Johnson made a real impact because... He was just a nuisance, and I'm not going to pretend like he was spraying it around like Perlo, but he was just breaking up, up attacks and just doing the simple things quite well. And I think that was the sort of game that needed that because, I mean, Portsmouth were managed by the Cowleys, who have done great things in management. However, I think that the style of play that they play is almost wasted on this group of Portsmouth players because there are a lot of talented players there. But at no point did I really feel that we were under too much pressure. And, you know, we were able to see out the game fairly comfortably and we even had a couple of chances as our, of our own um, in the last stages of the game. So all I can say is Dean learned to masterclass. Well, I mean, who could say we're surprised by that? I mean, you know, he's managed two games and got us two pretty, pretty big results, let's be honest, especially this one. It's almost absolutely huge and... You know, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it kickstarts our revival. We need to in the Papa John's game, by the way. Oh yeah, no one cares about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, just, 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 just checking that. No, I remember your caveat saying it league, league, league wins. But uh, no, I, I think um, I think it did a fantastic job, and obviously Ray helps him out a lot, I'm sure. But you know, the fact that he's managed to take that group, I think it makes it even more impressive that had we had that performance on Tuesday night against Bristol Rovers, then transformed to the Saturday where we go and beat um. A team that hasn't lost since January, 
Might have been against us actually in their place, but um, either home, way, yeah. yeah. So they haven't lost in January, and I think we're the last two teams to beat them um, in, in their place. So yeah, they're seeing the shows, and there's loads of their players that get interest as well from championship teams this this uh, this window. So it's it's a should be underestimated how good that performance was. But yeah, I think he highlights some of the key performers there. I think Connor Grant's and they work wonders in a in a Jacko system, depending on the formation he can play. So but... it's that moment of quality we've not really seen this season. Yeah. You know, and, and we've seen that. Yeah. We've seen it a bit in the cup game. Taken well. in the attacking third. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. But in the attacking third, you know, we mentioned about Holland and Barry, but it's the actual the guts to say, do you know what? I'm going to back myself here and put it into an area. And sure enough, it, it was an amazing cross and a you know, it was a good header from Johnson, but it was fairly simple, but made easier by that amazing ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh gonna say it, it sort of takes on nicely to um well, I say nicely, Leicester, which I think we were kinda of hoping that they would put a bit of a fight up against the team. And this is it's Premier League Leicester City, they're a very good team. They're playing pretty much the first team minus Madison. Um and yeah, we I think from the first sort of five, ten minutes you could tell what type of evening it was gonna be. Um, Leicester, I think we didn't really. We think we, think we set up pretty poorly. Um, I think we just let Leicester come on to us and Harvey Barnes, especially, and no surprise, he ran the show. Um, was unlucky not to get a goal or assist that game because he definitely deserved it. Um, certainly gave Sinai Watson and um, a run around the whole game, really. But I just felt overall with Bradley Johnson on the sidelines, funnily enough, we just didn't really have much in the midfield. I feel like we had to, again, misutilised Dawson Devoy in a holding position where he's much better as a 10 and obviously McEachran who he's not he's not a, this season especially he's not he's not a wonder man or something he can't just do it all himself so I think having that spine was whether it's McEachran and Devoy not really doing their jobs well enough Brig not really getting much of the touch of the football and was having to marshal a back three against Jamie Vardy Harvey Barnes and God knows who else um, yeah, we were, we were kind of set up for disaster, unfortunately, and Leicester ran away with it by half time, really. And obviously, um, goals from, from Tiedemann's Perez and Vardy in the second half kind of uh, rounded it all off. But I mean, obviously, Jacko was in the stands for this game, Joe. Obviously, he would have seen the performance. So, what, what do you reckon he would have noted down, um, to sort of work on heading into training, training this week at Forest Green on Monday? One thing I would say is, you know, I know that there was definitely a gap between the two teams. However, you know, I wouldn't have said they battered us as such. I think in terms of actual opportunities, we did limit them to opportunities. You know, that the, the first Tielemans goal comes after a save and it's just a, an unlucky rebound. Um, the Perez goal, that touch is just it was yeah, it's a joke, disgusting. Yeah. Like I'll do, yeah, I'm not even going to try and just justify that. Like we, we didn't do much wrong there. It was just Premier League quality. Like no one in the League One scores that goal. Um, so yeah, you had that one, and then I think the Vardy one was a cross or a set piece. And, yeah, header from like but, five yards know, out. The, yeah, the, you know, but, but in terms of actual chances, it weren't as if they were spinning it across the six yard box ten times or cutting it back. You know, all the time and being free and I think that actually we won the ball back quite a few times and the disappointing thing for me and you mentioned about how the team was set up was that because we had the two strikers and the three central midfielders we almost didn't have didn't have anyone when we then won the ball back so you Mo and Mo Ice and Will Grigg they kind of wanted to occupy the same sort of areas so you didn't have that Barry or that Holland running in behind where we could maybe do a quick switch across the pitch to them 
or they come deep, play a one-two and start making the runs in behind. So it's quite hard to actually stretch Leicester. But I do think that the, the chances were there. And I think the difference as well in, in the... I think physicality is one of the main things. I think technically there's not oh, yeah, too definitely. much difference. You know, technically, of course, they got better players. However, you know, and I think that the one player who did stack up really well for us was Jack Jules, who's six foot four, really fast and absolutely beautiful. And he's just, <laughs> he just absolutely, I think, I can't remember where, what, if it was first half or second half, but he just ran through the whole Leicester team. It was our first, and, yeah, first half. Yeah. And there was just a couple of moments where you thought, you know, he's he's on this level, but then, you know, maybe he, he was just let down with maybe the support wasn't quite there for his run or some stuff like that. So I think it was a game of fine. I mean, look, I'm not going to dispute the fact that Leicester deserved to win 3 0, they did. But I do think that, you know, there were moments for us where I feel I feel like we if, if we were set up slightly differently, you know, maybe we could have pressed a bit better if we had a three up front rather than a two. Maybe we really could have got the centre backs and the holding midfielder a bit better, um, but then again, then there'd be more space in behind. So it's it's one of them swings and roundabouts. But I don't think it was a disgrace. But I don't think it was. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as competitive as maybe we would have liked to. Have been. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, we won. We won more jewels. We won more aerial jewels. But I think not having a not having a shot on target the whole game is. Uh, I don't think we can really. Really be happy with we had that a few chances though. We, we, we all, we and that's part of the areas. problem, right? That's part of the problem. We didn't get any of chances. Um, so and it's obviously listen, we're not gonna play Leicester every week. We hope we don't anyway, otherwise we're in real trouble. But um, yeah, it's something to either that or we've been promoted. Well, yeah, and, case, bring it on. The Prem we used to worrying worrying site, but uh no, I, I think um it's a good experience for them, and as Bradley Johnson kind of said, you know, it's should take too much from it. Um, but yeah, it would have been, been nice to get at least get something from it. But oh well, it is what it is. And we're out, we're out of the cup. So I think that's just a uh, stun cup now, isn't it? Obviously out of the Papa John's, out of the Carabao and out of the FA Cup. So uh, purely focus on the league. I remember a few weeks ago, we were saying how great, you know, we are still in all the cups. And within, what, 20 days, we're out of all three for the plum. <laughs> oh, the DL. Yeah, well, so much for that, eh? Yeah, I think, just as you were saying, I think there's not too much you can take from it, really. And I think, if anything, it just gives, you know, because it was pretty much a full strength team, really. Um, but it just perhaps if maybe we'd be playing in wing. Oh, well, I think one thing we've seen from um, some highlights and Leeds United lineups is we will be playing wingers. So yes. if there's one thing yeah. to take from this game, it's don't expect to see two up front for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um... To be fair, we could we could operate in a three four two one. Um, definitely. I mean, that's my next question. Actually, what do we what do we expect to see from the Dons? Obviously, we got we got three games kind of over this sort of short period between Boxing Day and New Year's. Obviously, we have got Forest Green at home, and Posh away, and Plymouth away. Um, obviously, it's a short period for Jacko to work with a team. I, I think it's fair to say these next couple of days are going to be the only time he's going to have a training pitch with these players, give or take. In between recovery sessions, so what what are we expecting in terms of setup? What what would you like to see? Obviously, he's mentioned about high pressing, a lot of possession, controlling games. What do you reckon? I think um, with Leeds, I think it's mainly been four two three one or a four three three that he's played, and we've seen elements of that this season. Um, whether or not he goes straight in for that, I don't know. Maybe he goes for 
you know, some of the principles of his play, but within a more structured 3-4-3 that we have been playing, that we played against Portsmouth that worked quite well. However, you know, we're going, we're going to be at home against Forest Green. So maybe it's something where, you know, at home, maybe we go four at the back, go a bit more attacking and maybe away from home, we maybe switch back to that three at the back and, you know, maybe we're, I mean, this is just me punting, but I think it's more going to be about the principles rather than the actual system, which is going to be important. Um, I think Forest Green, yeah, look, let's not beat around the bush. It's a very important game. Um, and it's a, it's a game which we should aim to take some points from. Um, I've um, seen Notts County quite a lot in the last year or two. So I know a bit about Ian Birch. The one set pieces is somewhere where his Notts County team was notoriously weak. And I think that we can really exploit that area. Is it somewhere where in the last sort of six weeks we've been really strong ourselves? Well, Jacko um, was also a set Peters coach at Leeds for a period. So that should give us some sort of an edge, you'd like to think. There we go. So I might have to check what Bradley Johnson first goal scorer <laughs> prices. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, they're there for the taking, essentially. Um, you know, Connor Wickham's up front, we know what he can do, if especially if he's got players playing off him. Um, but I think as well, Forest Green, they've. I think they've had a couple of okay results recently. Yeah, I'm playing okay, not. to be fair to them. Yeah, they've played all right. Yeah. And they, you know, they're very strictly three at the back, use the wide players. But in my experience of watching, you know, an inversional team, they don't really, they try and play really good football, but they don't necessarily dominate it as much as Russell Martin or a Luke Williams team. You know, because I've seen the difference in Notts County this season and their players haven't changed that much. And um, so, yeah, I really do think that there there are some shortcomings and definitely some areas that we can attack within that Ian Birchall team. Having said that, you know, they, they have been scoring goals. So yeah. it's not going to be a, um, they're not going to roll over and let us tickle their bellies. Yeah, I can say that one, that one especially is a massive game, obviously, with, with Peterborough and Posh. Um, sorry, Peterborough and Posh. Posh and Plymouth, well, they are on the table. And um, obviously a very talented team who we've already seen this season and uh, well, from perspective. And uh, yes, very, very tough games and, you know, it's expected from both those teams. So yeah, it's going to be a, definitely a testing period for Jacko and Dons, but an exciting one. And obviously it's be good to see a, a new head coach at the helm and see what he can do with the boys. Liam, what do you recommend? So we've got three games over this Christmas period. Yeah. How many points do you think would be good and and you'd be pleased with, and how many do you really think we're going to get? Um, I'll be happy with. I'd be happy with three, honestly. Really would. Um, I feel we can't be too, we can't be too um greedy at the moment, and I think beating Forest Green is probably, well, still a tough game to be fair to them. Forest, I said Forest Green are playing well. Um, I I would still think we can beat them with the players he have in the squad, and I think if if the club do truly feel that Liam Manning wasn't getting enough out of the squad, then they have to feel that they can beat Forest Green, in my opinion. Um, Peterborough and Plymouth is is a is a freebie in many ways. I feel that those two teams are competing when they are in the league table for a reason, and if we can get anything from those games, that's a massive massive bonus to our season um, with the rest of it coming up. But yeah, I. Honestly, I'd be happy with, and I'd probably expect three points out of these three games. I don't know what you think. I'd be happy with three points, but only on the condition that those three points came against Forest Green. Okay, <laughs> so you're directly right. taking the points off them. If we lose to Forest Green, then beat Peterborough. That's not that good in terms of, you know, like in terms of 
in where we are in that little battle at the bottom. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd be happy with the three, as I say. But I, I think I think really think we'll I, I do think that we'll beat Forest Green, but I think we'll get a draw at one of Peterborough or Plymouth. Um Peterborough, they've been a bit of a weird team lately in that yeah, they are up there, but it seems like everything's going wrong and it just seems a bit toxic at the club. Uh, people question Grant McCann. Um, one thing I would say though is that a lot of their that has come from their away form, which I'm pretty sure is horrific. However, their home form has pretty much always been very solid. Yeah. Um, but with Plymouth, you know, Michael Cooper's the most overperforming goalkeeper in the league, and he's kept them in a lot of games this season. And earlier on in the season, when we played them, it was pretty much just a couple of absolute howlers from us. They, it wasn't as if they carved us open, and that was when we were at one of our lowest points. So. Look, I know you say they are where they are in the league. However, I'm not. I'm just saying I do think that there are there are weaknesses which we can exploit in both of them. Yeah, no, and hopefully we can find those weaknesses um, ahead of the the expected games and um, get some points in the climate league table because literally it's our only focus now. So it makes uh, the players and Jacko's job fairly easy in terms of where to keep their focus, their sort of television on in terms of that. So yeah, I've been excited to watch the team for sure and. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I'm sure you are also. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the drive on um, <laughs> New Year's Day to Plymouth. Look, Ross is doing that. Well, I, I I did Portsmouth. Ross has got Plymouth. Um, Ross can't be with us today. He's tied up with some family Christmas business, I believe. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be it's an exciting period coming up, and I guess I'd be yeah, like you say, it, it, I guess the pressure kind of is off. But it's just that Boxing Day game, isn't it? That's the big one. And then actually, the, the Forest Green return fixture is in three weeks' time. It is, yeah, yeah. It's you know it really crept up, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, two really big games, and, the, and I I think it'll be quite interesting to see how different those two games are. You know, a matter of four weeks, and we probably would have played four four to five games in between that period. So, see how far we've progressed. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how. Um... Matt Smith gets on this system because if it's anything like Lewis Bate did in the under 23s, then we should be onto a decent player. But obviously, time will tell on 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 players like Matt and obviously some of the younger lads that we have in the team like Dawson and people like that. Because uh, in theory, they should do really well. But of course, you know it's that's theory and football isn't played on paper. So we'll yeah, see what happens. Uh, yeah, that's another point. You know, we've got some players that have not really featured in the last sort of six, six to eight weeks. Uh, Ethan Robson, Matt Dennis, um, you know, Lawrence, Oyegoke, uh, yeah, you mentioned Smith. So, you know, do, so you, obviously Smith, you Smith, but um, are there any other players you think that will thrive in this system um, or potentially you know, start seeing more from? Well, the difficult thing is, is that obviously with the January window, which probably is a topic for next episode, actually, um, coming around so soon, we've got a few Lodine players, like you mentioned, Lawrence. I think Louis Barrios falls this category where there's going to be a massive review going on as to whether they actually stay at the football club. Mm. And Louis Barry and Coyote. Is... Do you remember him? I do, I do, yeah. <laughs> and that's you know, that's the thing, like Louis Barry is someone who really in in on paper could do really well in this sort of system because we've seen players like um, Amari Miller, of course, Somerville for Leeds. You know, similar players to Barry, in my opinion, do really well in this system and get on get onto the first team and be on that brink of first team to top in 23s pecking order. So 
I mean, it's up to Villa what they do, but you'd like to think that if Jackson can convince the whoever the line manager is at Villa, I don't know who he is, unfortunately, or she, um, to keep Barry here, that could be a massive thing for him. Um, so Dara's an interesting one. I'm not sure about Dara. Um, typically, he hasn't... Dara would need to do a lot of sort of growing physically to be working his whole system based He's on what we He's more we've technical seen. than physical, isn't he? He's more... I think- yeah. Barry's much more about his pace and power, whereas Dara seems a lot more sort of technically gifted, I think. Yeah, so I mean, I think in terms of names that that would stand out to me initially, definitely Matt Smith, definitely Dawson, and probably Louis Barry if he stays with us post-January. But don't you have anyone else you thought of? Yeah, let me throw a spanner in the works. Ethan Robson. One thing we've seen from Ethan Robson in the past is... Look, he's not necessarily the, you know, and this is someone that played alongside Matt O'Reilly. He's not necessarily the best on the ball, but mm. he's decent. But one thing we saw last year, which for whatever reason we've not really seen this year, he runs his bollocks off. And I remember that goal against Portsmouth. He ran the length of the pitch yeah, and yeah. scored. So maybe we can see a bit more of that. Seems to be that midfield area where there's a lot of question marks at the moment, right? So. Thing it's on to um, two or three players to really own it and uh, go for it, basically. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out over the uh, coming weeks, um, definitely and also months also. Okay, well, I think that rounds off quite nicely. Um, if you are listening, hope you have a fantastic Christmas. We will see you probably more towards the new year. Um, more, most likely probably just just after posh, um, I want to say. Um, obviously, we'll confirm on our social media channels. We actually want, are going to record, but probably just, just after posh because I know all of us are going to posh. Um, so we'll have a good little recollection. I mean, you can see after a few games how a Mark Jackson, MK Donside looks. But no, it's exciting times. Um, if you can, back the boys. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.